Uh, I could talk about loads of things. I could talk about um, uh, Internet of Things and connected houses and connected stuff and kids with devices and. Mm-hmm. Oh, perfect. Yeah, that, that'd be actually cool. All right. Uh, what do you want your title to be? Uh, applicant, freelance app developer, please. Jason Kneen, right? Neen's, uh, Neen. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Uh, app developer. I always, for some reason, I always I think it's, yeah, I guess you're right. All right, three, two, one. Welcome back to Techtopia, the podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Jason Neen. He's an app developer, uh, speaker. Uh, he's a, a longtime friend and a uh, and a uh, cool guy. So, welcome to the show. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, great. So, I think uh, I think in your experience, you've been doing all kinds of things. You're uh, you 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 build uh, you build things. Uh, you're doing Internet of Things. Uh, you have some concepts of uh, IoT for kids, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, so what have you been up to right now? Uh, well, currently I'm I'm building cross-platform native apps for iOS and Android for various clients all over the world. So that's my sort of day job. Uh, but I play around a lot with um, 3D printers actually recently. First, mm-hmm. first use of a 3D printer. But our house is very connected in terms of when we moved into our place about five, six years ago, we started putting in like Hue light bulbs and all these sort of IoT type devices. And it's become quite quite connected now in terms of everything uh, and it's really interesting how you know we've got into this stuff like buying you know hue light bulbs and then you can you know change your scenes in your app but of course then the amazon echo comes along i won't say the the, the name just in case it mm-hmm. sets people off um you set those things up and then they can connect to everything and so what's fascinating about the, the sort of world we live in now in our house is that pretty much everything is connected you know we can play stuff on the tv using voice we can change channels using voice i can boil the kettle using voice mm-hmm. um, what's fascinating what's fascinating for me is seeing we've got five five young children and you know 10 downwards really the youngest two like uh, two and f- uh, five and they're growing up in this world where they can just sort of speak and, and say stuff and things happen and it's really funny like zeb our youngest can't really you know he's forming words he's saying words he's learning to speak he's like a sponge at the moment uh, and he tries to say to the echo to do stuff but obviously it doesn't understand him yet because of his voice <laughs> um, but he's literally tried they're, they're into Mamma Mia the movie at the moment and he's trying mm-hmm. to get him try to play the music and he's trying to do this and it's just hysterical watching them like walk around the house you know doing homework and asking um, the echo for answers to things and how you know maths and and where things are it's just fascinating seeing them use all this stuff do you think this is the this is a it's an interstitial step in the in our UI UX experience or is this uh, or is this here to stay? I feel like it's here to stay. I think I think there's a lot more that needs to be done in terms of being able to have. I think the problem at the moment with these these devices, the sort of voice devices, so that's Siri and the Echo and and Google. I guess we haven't got one of those. Is is having to remember how to say things. It's still not completely natural. Like, for example, we've got a, an internet connected oven, which sounds ridiculous, but it is. Uh, it's like we've got Wi-Fi and it's got all these baking modes on it and things. And you can mm-hmm. connect it with with a with an echo skill to the echo. But I can't for the life of me right now remember the exact phrasing I have to do to tell <laughs> it to turn the oven on at a specific time. It's like a sort of incantation you have to do. And, in, uh, and unless we can get that stuff better and it should be possible, you know, the software's there. We've got AI. We've got all these things. It, it, you want to be able to have that sort of natural conversation with something and make sure that it does it and not have to do this you know incantation in the air to, to say things in the right order i mean the number of times i've asked i think i've asked um siri or uh, uh, the echo to turn off 
the air conditioning in the office, in my office in the back, and my lights mm-hmm. go off, which okay. is just bizarre. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know, I don't know if it's reading office as being turn off office, but it's not understanding when I say AC or air conditioning. And so there's there's little things like that 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 definitely will improve. But I think for the young generation now, for for our kids especially. I think they're just going to grow up in a world where they think they can just walk into a room and, you know, it's fascinating going on holiday and they start calling out to play music. And it's like, well, there's no there's no device here that does that. So they're just used to that, to living in that world where they could just walk into a room and turn lights on and off. And, you know, I know I know everybody's not got this sort of setup, but it is interesting seeing how they adapt to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, again, I mean, is that the is is that the norm? Will will the will the hotel room eventually have have all that stuff in it? I I think it will. I mean, there's I can't remember the hotel chain, but I think it was a year or two ago there was a big hotel chain that was talking about putting echoes in the rooms. Uh, I don't know how that would work in terms of linking to accounts and things. I don't think people would end up linking to their own accounts, but the idea was to have those voice assistants in the room so that they mm-hmm. could do things like check their bills. They could, because you could have a skill that was linked into the hotel system. You know, what's my current bill? Can I order some room service? And, and it would ask you what you want. There's all that sort of stuff that that could be done. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if we see it in the future. Definitely. Mm-hmm. As a as a developer, are you uh, are you comfortable with that kind of interaction? Are you comfortable with things listening to us? I yeah. I mean, I I'm not that bothered by it. I mean, some of the camera stuff does bother me. So we've got the ring cameras, which I've we we had some Foscam cameras in the house that weren't really connected to anything uh, in terms of IoT stuff, but the Ring cameras we're replacing them with, you can. And obviously Ring is recording to the cloud. And so that's a concern that you've got stuff that could be recorded of, you know, people walking around in towels or half naked or whatever, especially children. That's a little bit uncomfortable, but you, but the nice thing is you can turn all that off. So, you know, you can configure it so that it's only doing that stuff when we're away or at nighttime. So it's it doesn't have to be and isn't recording all this stuff during the day. But yeah, there's that element of, concerned that you're sort of almost broadcasting everything that goes on in your house somewhere and mm-hmm. it's being stored somewhere and people are possibly seeing it how what is what does development look like in the future what is uh what does building apps look like in the future i guess it's been it's gotten slightly easier it's uh, you're doing cross-platform whereas before you had to do uh you weren't able to do that um what's the uh what do things look like there's a few things that are going on at the moment so You've got obviously got what I'd call the native SDK. So if you want to develop for iOS, you're using um, traditionally Objective-C or Swift or now Swift UE with the new Catalina and everything that's coming out with the new Xcode. Um, so you've got that sort of approach. Then you've got Android where it's like Java. Then you've got, obviously got the web and there's this thing called progressive web apps, which is like a renaming of mobile apps, mobile web apps, which can obviously run on any platform without having to be installed. And they've got offline capability and all that sort of stuff. And they're not... They're not limited by being in a particular app store. You know, you could just go to a web address and start running that, that particular app. Um, but you've also got these cross-platform tools. Um, the one I use is called Titanium, which is by a company called Axway, and it's free and open source. And it basically enables me to code in JavaScript, but it creates a native user interface. So your business log- logic in the app is still running in JavaScript, but your your UI is is native. And to most users, unless you're doing super high-power 3D gaming and trying to do Fortnite and things like that, which are written in their own engine anyway. Um, the, the users don't really know the difference. You know, you can get them as performant as what I would call a air quote traditional, you know, native app. Mm-hmm. What's interesting, therefore, is that I can write a, an app in one code base and I can deploy that to both um, the Google Play Store and the 
uh, iOS app store and I'm, I'm using one code base. When I add a feature to, to one app, it's in the other app unless I want to make it specific. Going forward, what that means is, you know, I'm wondering how this is going to work going forward, especially with kids growing up now. Um, you know, they can use Swift on iPads to play Swift playgrounds and learn how to write games and things. Mm -hmm. But also there's, these, there's this growing movement of these cross-platform tools and people like Apple embracing this not cross-platform, but sort of cross-compilation um, technology, which they've, they've done with this Catalyst. So this is this technology they've introduced in Catalina, two names which get confusing. Uh, and basically, Catalyst lets a developer of an iPad app take the iPad app code and build that to a version that will then run on a Mac. So mm -hmm. it will run just like it, it will look like it does on an iPad. You'll have menus on it. You'll be able to use the mouse, all these different features. And it's going to enable companies like, say, Twitter, who took their iOS, they've got their iOS app, but they took their Mac app away because they couldn't maintain it at the same time. They're going to be able to have, you know, one app that they can maintain for both platforms. Of course, what Apple want people to do is to use the new technology of Swift UE to write new apps in the Swift language. But there's still this thing where, as a developer, I get people approaching me, you know, we want an app. Um, we want to go with iOS first because we don't want to develop Android yet. And they're not aware that they can actually do these cross-platform solutions and have both. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting now is that there's lots of different cross-platform solutions out there. There's React Native, there's NativeScript, there's Flutter, there's all these different libraries. I mean, loads that I don't even know about because you don't really discover them that easily. And it's interesting to see now what kids are using and what they could be using going forward because obviously they're the generation that are going to almost be driving what how development goes in the future. You know, there's been talk in the past of having an Xcode for iPad where you could actually write a very simple iPhone or iPad app actually on an iPad Pro or on an mm -hmm. iPad uh, and deploy it to your iPhone. And in that sense, you could have what we'd call everyday people just playing around with code. And does that mean coding libraries and the technology becomes more simplified? And so it's not, you're not getting simple, you know, um, rubbish apps, but, but the, the, the way for someone to get an app idea out into the world is becoming less, there's less friction to do that and less things they have to learn. And, and that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the question. What what does the um, what does an environment look like when there are no more when there is no more coding? Is there going to be coding in the future? Are you always going to be Are you always going to be there? Are you as a as a developer always going to be necessary? I think you are. Well, it's easy for me to say that because that's my job. But you know, things do change. But I think you are because there's always going to be developers writing the tools that are doing you know the easy programming. There's always going to be someone who's writing the stuff that's doing the cross platform. There's always going to be someone writing that underlying code that's making Swift UI work. Um, the Alexa cloud-based skills that they've released, I think it's, it might still be in beta, where you can write your um, uh, Echo app in the cloud so you don't have to host mm -hmm. it anywhere yourself. Um, that's still got to be written by someone. That's still got to, So there's going to be that underlying pool of developers that still have to write the operating system, still have to write the tools to build this stuff. But it's possible that we could get these layers on top that make coding for children, coding for students, coding for adults that want to get into that a lot easier and still allow them to do, you know, still allow them to make powerful apps. The interesting thing, I guess, would be what AI can do, you know, is we've seen AI do paintings and we've seen AI mm -hmm. take suck in scripts of shows and then write a show. And I'm, I'm wondering, could, can you actually get AI to take in a load of code, learn from that and then actually write something? And what mm -hmm. would that look like? That, that's, that's interesting. What do uh, what do kids need to know to be uh, to be valuable? I mean, to be not valuable uh, to be to be able to interact with the uh, with the world in the next twenty years. Oh, that's an interesting one. I mean, my kids, 
Mike is to them every panel is a touch panel, which is the which is quite interesting. So they've grown mm -hmm. up with iPads, they've grown up with tablets. You know, they'll go up to the TV screen, the, the babies will go up to the TV screen and start tapping stuff. So they're they're used to this environment where everything is touch, everything's portable, everything's connected. You know, they can go onto any device and fire up Netflix or fire up whatever they want and expect things to happen immediately. They don't really have any concept of the internet. You know, the number of times they've got in the car as we're driving off and they've happened to have a tablet with them or something. And you're like, well, that's not going to work because you've got no internet in a second. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand. They don't understand because they just think everything is a screen. Everything is touchable and I can run games and I can run Netflix and whatever. Um, so it's, I guess it's going to be interesting to see how they grow up, what the technology, how the technology changes, because I don't know how old you are, but I think we might be of a similar age and mm -hmm. remember the sort of windows and Apple wars and the PC wars and all those things. What I find fascinating with my children is they can switch between, um, you know, a, a Kindle to an Android device, to a Windows device, to an iPad, just almost seamlessly. Even though the OS is slightly different and there's little idiosyncrasies, they can jump on an Echo and play something. They can jump on an iPad and do something, whether it's playing games or doing calculator things for school or whatever or surfing. And they don't seem to have that sort of, oh, I'm, I'm in this camp and I'm in that camp method. Um, sort of mentality they just go with the flow to get the actual end result that they're after whereas mm -hmm. i feel like i've grown up and i'm probably of that age where i'm stuck in my ways with apple i mean i, I do apple programming so i need a mac but i'm sort of stuck in my way whereas they'll just go wherever they need to go to get the job done that they want to get done and um, and i find that fascinating as they grow up because you know wh what does that mean in things like messaging photos apps you know, you've got Apple trying to keep you in the Apple ecosystem with iPhotos and iMessage, but a lot of the kids nowadays are using things like Snapchat and Insta, uh, Instagram and all these third-party tools. And so it feels like the the, the lock-in to the platform for kids growing up is going to be less of an issue because I think it'll be they'll be more fluid in, you know, they'll go with what they feel. So if a new phone mm -hmm. comes along and they like that new phone and it's better than the one they've got and it's a different platform and it's got Instagram and it's got the tools they use, they, they could switch to that, you know, ha quite happily. Mm -hmm. uh, what does that mean for, for devs? What does that mean for, uh, for Apple versus white windows or Apple versus Microsoft? That's, that's the thing that's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, I, I was a Microsoft user for years. We did lots of windows and .NET development, um, before I switched to, to Mac. And so I haven't been in the windows space for a long time other than sort of compatibility stuff. But it's just interesting to see. I mean, everybody seems to be focused on hardware. You saw the stuff this week with Microsoft. They're doing new surfaces and foldable surfaces and foldable phones and things like that going down the sort of Samsung route. And the software adapting Windows and the software to make those work and support those different um, hardware platforms. So it feels like the emphasis for these companies is much more on hardware and services at the moment than it is on the actual OS and the software on the actual devices. And it's it's all about, you know, storing stuff in the cloud and getting services to you and streaming and all these different things. So it's I, 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 we're in a weird position at the moment, I think, in terms of where I am in the in the world and understanding where everything's going. Um, I think it's going to be a lot easier for my kids when they grow up. But yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what wins and what loses. <laughs> what is what does the world look like in 20 years? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think about this. I think about this all the time in terms of. You know, when I'm uh, when I'm a decrepit and old, and my kids are coming along with an iPhone 30 or whatever it's called, even even if it still exists, or is it going to be on a wrist, or is it just going to be, is it just like a ring on your finger, or or a um, AR glasses or something that project the screen in front of you? I mean, that's 
I think AR is interesting. Um, the problem with that at the moment is no one wants to hold a device up walking around a supermarket looking at labels mm -hmm. or holding a device up playing games. I think the, the real breakthrough will be if they can, if someone can do workable AR glasses that don't look ridiculous and can actually augment physical things. So, you know, I could have a, a watch on my wrist or a, or a simple phone with a small screen, but when I look through the AR, AR glasses at it, it can project a bigger screen around it, you know, a bigger interface that I can interact with. That that's something that sounds, you know, interesting and fascinating and, and I could see happening in 20 years. Okay, very cool. All right, what are you working on now? Where can people find you to, uh, to make their, web, their uh, websites for them or their, uh, their apps for them? Uh, so my company name is called Bouncing Fish. It's mm -hmm. www.bouncingfish.com. Uh, it's got all my portfolio on there and services and what I do. Um, but basically, yeah, building cross-platform native apps in iOS and Android. All right, very cool. Jason, thank you for joining us. This has been, a, this has been fun. Thanks. <laughs> this has been Tectotopia. I'm John Biggs. We will see you next week. All right, perfect.